welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Andrew Montesi, joined by AFL legend Warren Treadray. G'day, Treaders. Monty, how are you? Good, thank you, sir. Now we're back with our sports business wrap covering the latest big money moves in Australia and around the world. We're going to jump straight into it and we're going to unpack, Treaders, what's happening at West Coast. Obviously, it's an absolute mess. It's a long season. There's still a long, a long time to go. 171 point loss to the Swans. Uh, you know, you see you see these calls for a, a full clean out, but as we know, it's not as simple as that. And what's interesting about what's going on at West Coast is there's a real business element to their problems at the moment. Yeah, well, the business element is the business element of affecting their crux of their business, which is sport, because we know off the field West Coast is rich. When COVID hit, West Coast had more in their bank than the AFL did. So that tells you wow. how rich they are. There's got a, around about a 20,000 uh, fan wait list who pay about 70 bucks a year to sit on a wait list on the hope that someone at the Optus Stadium in Perth decides not to take up their membership. So rare as hen's teeth, as they say, for memberships at West Coast. They've got massive financial support. They bank money for a living. But the challenge is now, with the constraints on AFL football, with uh, footy department's fan caps, we'll get to that soon, they are in a situation where they need to make change, but no one really knows where to go. Yeah, I've heard Peter Simic, former Eagles uh, dual premiership goal-kicking superstar, talk about he thinks that the coach might need to go. Other people talking about Trevor Nisbet, the 20-year-plus long-time servant as CEO, who got the business in a, in a ripping state. But the facts of the matter are, if they want to sack their coach right now, Adam Simpson, who is a premiership coach who hasn't done much wrong, uh, 2018, they won the flag. They topped up on long-term deals with some of their stars. We'll get to that soon. But if they want to move him on, he's still got two years left on a contract, Monty. So he's out at the end of 2025. So some estimate numbers, right? They're on the hook for, say, 1.2, 1.1, 1.25. We'll say 1.25 for this exercise. $2.5 million, right? If they do that, because West Coast are a team that runs uh, at the uh, luxury tax threshold, um, footy department's fin cap, we talk it in AFL. So if you want to compare it to NBA, you go over, you pay effectively $2 for every dollar you spend. So what happens is if they pay him out, they'll also need to attract a new coach, right? And even if they go for someone cheaper, just say they go for someone similar, they try and get Damien Hardwick. There's a 200% luxury tax associated with that $2.5 million deal. So that is huge money. So taxed up to yes. right four and a half million bucks. So the total payout could be you know in the order of seven million bucks, six to seven million dollars for the West Coast Eagles to move on a premiership coach. He's got two years on a contract, replace him with someone new, and then when that person comes in with someone new, we haven't taken into account any changes they want to make because they yeah. also need to look at their fitness yeah. department. And it's interesting too because uh, a long time effectively conditioning manager, weights coach Warren. Is it Kofid? 
um, has stood down from his position. Also, Will Schofield, the former West Coast Eagles uh, premiership player and media guy, saying, hey, this is I don't want this guy to be seen as a scapegoat. He's been brilliant for 16 years. We had great injury record levels. But already he is going to go at the end of the year. So the pillars are starting to fall. We know they put a huge amount of resources into their fitness department last year because they felt they weren't fit enough. And that was obvious. Some of their players didn't look in 100% shape. But the problem that's bitten them in this situation is not off the back of whether their coach can coach, not off the back of whether they've got a good football program. The facts of the matter is they went all in after their 2018 premiership, which you can understand. You you had a window at that time. McGovern was the best defender in the comp. I think four-time All-Australian. They signed him to a five-year, $6 million deal pre-COVID. So he, he, he'd mark everything. He, he saved him the grand final, effectively won him the grand final. He was the one that intercepted that ball to end up going to Dom Sheep, and they win the game. Like Luke Shuey gets a four-year extension. They go and get Tim Kelly from Geelong. Did they pay a high price? Yes, they did. I think it was three first-round picks and got some picks back. They offered Nick Nat Newey um, a two-year deal when he'd hardly played. Right, Elliot Yo was the best probably player under 24 in the comp. He was a two-time All-Australian. He's a two-time best and fairest at West Coast. He was a premiership player. And the year before the premiership, they signed him on a five-year extension. Right, And then you throw in Andrew Gaff, who had a lot of interest to go back to Victoria. He signed a two-year deal with a six-year trigger. It's unusual, that one. It was a Paul Connor Very special. Unusual. Two years, so within the first two years, he could work out whether he wanted to hit that trigger and he wanted to stay at West Coast. Well, he decided it was a player option to exercise his trigger, so he effectively signed an eight-year deal. At the time, he was the best wingman in the game. He was an All-Australian. Um, he'd gone through the situation of that punch he'd, he'd thrown, a young Brayshaw in the Western Derby, He'd been in the All-Australian team. He missed out on the grand final because of that suspension. So here you go. If at that time you asked any list manager in the world, would they like Gaff, Yo, McGovern, Shuey, Kelly, or even Nick Nat? Every player in the um, list manager in the comp would have taken the risk. So West Coast went bang. Now they've got a situation where there's reports that seven players are on their list roughly equate to $5.8 million of the club's $14 million salary cap. So 41% is taken up from seven players. And that doesn't look ridiculous. Like back in the day, some key players are in 8 and 9% of the cap. So that would eat that up pretty quickly. But, you know, notwithstanding any potential chances they've got a front-loading deals or back-loading contracts or what's to come. And then they're also trying to retain some of the best young players uh, that they've got on their list because they don't want to lose their net future. So it's got pretty ugly for West Coast. They went all in and... Uh, yeah, someone's pulled out a hand of aces and they've gone, wow, ouch. So, I mean, as you see it, you can you can point the finger at anyone and everyone, but to distill it down, where is the core problem and who is responsible? Well, the core problem is, for me, and this is all great in hindsight, Shuey's always had knocks on his body, right? Nat Newey has never consistently played year after year consistent good football. We always get injured. Um, Kelly was available. Yeah, go and get him. But how Elliot Yo can be from one of the best players in the comp to hardly now he's a smidgen of what he was, sadly, but it's off the back of injuries. So the fitness department needs an absolute rocket. And I know there's a guy who stepped down, but is it the fitness department? Are they able to do what they want? These are the questions you don't know because, you know, is it is it so autocratic there that you can't do your job or you're struggling to do your job? But 
I look at what you know, Port Adelaide have been able to do over a period of time. Darren Burgess has done in a short space of time in Adelaide. You get your PPT or you know fitness department or sports science department, whatever you want to call it, up and going. Right, you have a low injury risk, and then you have a situation where your team is performing week in week out. In in media world, everyone likes to kind of pin it on one person and come away with a very simple here's the problem. Obviously, that's not the case. It's a combination of list management, combination of strength and conditioning, combination of leadership. All of things come together into what is an absolute cluster. And and it feels like there's a real risk of like long-term damage to that club. Uh, as you say, a rich club, massive brand, in the, particularly in the West. Where to from here? How do you, how do you turn this thing around? I think the the biggest thing you're going to have to do is make some tough calls on some senior players. Um, if you can trade anyone, you know, it's an Andrew Gaff who's still got, I think, year to go on his contract, wants to go elsewhere. You go, well, okay, how can we facilitate that? We might take that cap. you got to get back into, um, they've got the first round pick from the trade deal last year. They lost Rioli. So they need to invest in those situations and, and clean it out and create as many draft picks as they can and go to the draft or trade smartly in free agency. But it could, it could be long-term pain for the Eagles, it seems. Yeah, I think it's your long-term pain because the salary cap looks full um, unless they can try and restructure those deals. You know? um, yeah, McGovern's coming off that deal. He'll get a lot less. They'll, they'll have some flexibility, but they've got some young players they want to reward too. That, that's the challenge for where they go. Now, traders have also seen that, uh, we, you know, we talked about Damien Hardwick and leaving Richmond and, you know, what he might do next. Already he's he's making noises that he, he misses coaching and blah blah blah. I mean, to be honest, we could we could all probably see that coming. Then he he wasn't completely done. How do you see this situation? For me the comments yesterday were around Dylan Buckley's comments on um with his podcast and and Damien Hardwick spoke to him. For me it was uh it was open, it was honest. It was probably the first time he's let himself down, his guard down in an interview. But for the media person and for me who tries to think in club land, I would suggest it was a come and get me if you want me and I want to coach again. And I know that's unfair. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm, I'm just seeing what I see from the distance. You know, he, he talks fatigue and got to get away. And he said all those things, absolutely. But if I'm Port Adelaide, if I'm Carlton, if I'm West Coast, if I'm... Um, Gold Coast, if I'm even thinking about making a change, not that any of those clubs have flagged that they're making a change, other than Richmond who has made a change, you wouldn't be doing your due diligence right if you didn't pick up the phone and ask the question. He's a three-time premiership coach. He's earmarked that he's missing it. Yes, he still wants to get away and have another holiday. What are we in June? Yeah, I mean, he's got probably four months before he really needs to get into working if he wants to work. And in, in, the, in the time being, I'd suggest that Paul Connors is a pretty influential um, manager in this space who looks after him. His phone will be ringing hot and people are going, is he serious? What's he saying? Does he want to do it? Does he not? What does it look like on Richmond? Is there a restriction on his clause or has he just been clearly released or is he paid to the end of the year? What does it look like? And I think every club, if they're interested in making a change or looking at making a change, would need to pick up the phone and be reasonable about it been a bit of a to be honest it's been a bit of a stinky situation i reckon like i i just don't understand it so he I, like i understand if you got fatigue and you leave 
still with some time to play on your on your contract. But he was the whole thing was celebrated. You know, he's a legend and whatever. Um, and then you know he's out having beers and watching the Tigers and we're celebrating that. But the idea to then already start putting it out there that you're looking for another gig. Like, to be honest, if I was a Tigers fan or if I was in Tigers admin, I'd be going, hang on a sec, mate. Like, like what are we doing here? I don't know. It just it just feels a bit off to me. I don't know. I don't know if, if that's just me. Nah, I, I, I know the guy and it probably sh- shadows my thoughts on this. But to be honest, it, if I'm a Richmond fan, I'm not sitting comfortably with it. Am I sitting comfortably since he's gone? How well, um, you know, uh, their new coach and caretaker coach is doing well, and they're they're back winning, and um, you know, Dusty Martin's in ripping form. So maybe there's some been some positive change from this. But uh, I sit back. If you walk away, he's walked away from effectively 18 months of a contract. Yes, he's done a wonderful service to him, but in sheer business, he's walked away from the business, and now he's he's effectively saying, "Come and get me." To a certain extent, you know, and says that I'll coach again. Yet there's an element of me that, that doesn't sit quite right. Now, another interesting one that, um, yeah, as a marketer, I, I couldn't help but chuckle at. So QBE's got this sponsorship activation and and these things are planned well in advance. You know, QBE has a long- Sydney Swans major sponsor, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Long-term relationship with the Swans. They're planning out their activations as they do. Pro- you know, who knows? Probably six months ago. They go, all right, we're going to pick the Swans-Eagles game and we're going to do this great charity thing as- as we do, and we're going to donate three grand for every goal kicked um, for the Swannies, and this will be a nice feel-good thing. And then it comes around, the Eagles absolutely implode, and then the game comes around and Sydney kick 31 goals. Now, it's great for charity, you know, raises 93 grand for Red Cross, Food Bank, Orange Sky, Are You Okay, Save the Children, Stars Foundation, and Swans Foundation. So great. But to be honest, they'd be there'd be guys squirming in that department. They would have their budget would have probably would have been half of that, and uh, it just kind of makes me laugh that three grand, thirty-one goals get kicked. Incredible. Yeah, well, I think in that game, that QB would be doing all right over the last couple of years uh, with the spending of money and and uh, finances around the world. But yeah, oh, I do laugh because they would have done their numbers on hey, what's an average score? Okay, we're picking West Coast. What's our average score against West Coast over the journey? If you're doing your full due diligence, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, you'd be sitting there at half time going, oh, oh, how much are we writing? Uh, ring the boss. Um, you know how I said that promotion was going to be for about 50 grand? We're on track for it to be double. Yeah, pretty funny. And to be honest, I, I don't really have any sympathy for insurers anyway. They can they can fork out. Happy for that. That's all good. Now... Traders, we've been talking about some really interesting contractual stuff already. The other one that's going on in NRL world is Ben Hunt, and we've been talking about him, uh, you know, the captain wanting to bail on the Dragons. It's been an absolute shit show at the Dragons, and he's wanted to walk immediately and unusually was willing to f- pay out 150k of his own contract to be able to move. And then, so the update, since we last talked about it, uh, he was set to move to the Broncos, back to the team where he started out. But then, interestingly, uh, the Dragons have blocked the move. So where to from here? 
Well, where to from here? He plays out the rest of the year, and from a financial point of view, he's probably okay because he was on over a million a year. Um, he'll play this week's game. So, you know, it was all reported. He played for state, Queensland in the state of origin last week when they won the series against New South Wales up in Queensland. So everyone was saying, well, when he gets back, um, they will have talk, showdown talks. The word was he'd go to the Broncos, he'd get released, he'd get 200000 for the remainder part of the year, and then he was signed a couple-of-year deal for the Gold Coast Titans. Well, that option's probably still there. Um, but realistically, he's got to play out and fulfill his contract. And I like the fact that um, St. George have stayed strong because they signed this guy. He's their marquee player. If it hasn't worked out, sure, he's not happy. But you sign a contract, you're bound by it. That's loss. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, the Dragons put out a statement after meeting with his management and said, you know, we've had our chat and we want him to stick with us. Uh, I think it's an example of the new coach, Shane Flanagan, putting his foot down. There are also fears that, if he's allowed to walk, many others will follow. I mean, what do you think about that in terms of the precedent these things set? Even the Hardwick thing, you know, like if, if guys are just allowed to walk from contracts, it almost negates the need for these contracts. Like, what's the point of it? Well, I've often thought contracts are only protecting the athlete anyway. Um, in every case, they can always choose to walk away and I don't want to do it anymore and the club's left for, well, what do we do? But yeah, I thought it was a dangerous precedent. I didn't know what you're actually able to do it in rugby league. I knew that, you know, you, if you had a year to go, you could sign with someone else, a competitor in the off-season to say, hey, this is my last year, for example, as player of the Storm, and next year I'm going to go play for St. George on a five-year deal worth X amount. Um, I don't like the look of it. I don't like the look of... I love the transparency that they play with, the fact that they're professional enough in the off-season to still commit for one more year where they are and then go elsewhere. Don't mind that. I don't like the fact people walking out on contracts because it just looks in poor taste and it looks like, oh, well, it hasn't worked for me. I'm out of here. Were there things stipulated in his contract for him to stay around that we're going to stick with your coach and we're going to do all this? We don't know that, but you'd assume it's not. Um, Because if there's an element that um, St. George didn't fulfill um, that was what they'd always talked about, well, then we've got something to talk about. But if there's none of that, if it was just, oh, well, you're the player and things change. I I saw it um, many years ago when my uh, final year at Port Adelaide, long-time coach Mark Williams asked, signs has been re-signed within six months of this two-year deal it's all over um yeah we spoke to cam falloon from body fit he used to be our fitness coach he came over to work with mark mark soon after it's gone you know what i mean like it's it blows up very very quickly and sadly and, and that is sport but um many cases of players committing to a coaching setup and a program because that's all they want to do they want to see who the program is who i'm working for what the coach has installed for me what role they've got installed for me when that blows up it changes but um understandably you know, Ben Hunt's in that situation, but reality is he's also one of the highest paid. He's a leader of the club, and they're expecting him to lead and to fulfil his contract. And there's plenty happening in the NRL. Uh, you know, we've seen Titans coach Justin Holbrook get sacked, uh, replaced by Des Hasler, come from nowhere. Like even, even you know, things weren't going overly well for them, but even the NRL pundits didn't see it coming. Um, it's a bit of a Brett Ratton type situation where there was a review into the inner workings of the club. It was decided that. Holbrook had failed, and then um, they they gave him the bullet, and you know he came out in the media said he was gutted and and pissed off. So it's a brutal world. Um, and meanwhile, Manly's signed West Tigers half Luke Brooks uh, from twenty twenty four on a four year multi million dollar deal, and that's an example, as you say, of the uh, kind of professionalism of the sport in the fact that he's going to play out this season, knowing that he's he's moving next season to to um, 
uh, completely change course of his career. Yeah, and I was looking at that deal too because um, yeah, I, I follow a bit of uh, rugby league and I thought, oh, how good's this guy? Yeah, he's a good player. He was actually a junior, grew up West Tigers. So for him to move away, I think they'd offered him a two-year extension um, with potentially an option. He's got a four-year unconditional deal. Well, it makes sense you know, for the where he is at his career and uh, Manly have, have you know, uh, coughed up the cash and as what happens in rugby, they grab their bag and they go very, very quickly. Now the build-up to the second Ashes test is on, and in the meantime, though, we've had the women's Ashes. Um, it was a it was a great game. Five days, Aussies won the test by eighty nine runs. Ash Gardner took an incredible twelve wickets for the match. Figures of twelve for one sixty five, which isn't too bad, eh? Well, yeah, it, this is um, it's phenomenal bowling. Yeah, you know, we talk about when's the last time you remember a twelve for in um, in uh, senior. Uh, men's cricket. Well, I can't remember that. You know, and even on a dusty bowl in India with a spinner spinning them sideways, it certainly hasn't happened. But yeah, you know, they're the best figures by an Australian woman in Test history, in the second best overall. So that'll tell you how good a performance that is. So, um, and these Ashes will be determined uh, overall by the use of a points-based system over the series of Tests, One Day as NT20s, which is very interesting. It's whether actually that ever gets into the men's game will be really interesting too. Because yeah, what, what do you um, think about that? Uh, I, I don't mind it. It's sort of like your Test World Series, but it's actually, mm. you know, your you, you all-rounder World Series, if you know what I mean. You know, are you good in all three formats? And, you know, because they, they're they not able to play the, the five Test Series that's built out over three months and have huge attendances and all that, they're able to cram in a short space of time, um, three different formats of, of cricket. I like the fact. I think it'll eventually grow over time. And um, the Aussies, I think, uh, won it last time. So, um, yeah, good on our girls. They're the best in the world in the short fan format and are backing it up in the long format too. Now, we've had first look at the uh, Lord's pitch. It's a green top, apparently, Treaders. Yeah, well, it certainly is. Um, you know, let's face it. If the one we rolled out uh, in the previous test, it was almost like it was um, somewhere from India. It was just a road early on, didn't move, no sideways movement, no seaming. Jimmy Anderson was thinking about retirement. That's how bad a, a wicket it was. Still a broad belt pretty well. But... Um, now, all the talk around is that Ollie Robinson, the war of words, um, taken on uh, past and current players. He's had a crack at Ricky Ponting. Now, Robinson is now following this trend of non-star players acting like showstoppers trying to steal the spotlight. So here we are, things that just keep going and going, and we're only one test in. We've still got four to go. You know, twists and turns of Ashes series, it never, however it starts, it never finishes. It'll always go yeah. in a different direction, and Geez, the, I reckon the uh, the Aussie crew led by um, Merv Hughes over there are going to be giving him plenty. But unfortunately, they're out now. But the Barmy Army have been... I've seen videos this week of him, them spraying Travis Head because he was the, the guy out at mid-wicket, deep in wicket So they were just constantly barraging him with, with uh, feedback for the whole 90 overs in the day. Just a little bit of feedback. It's always nice. Now, what about Daniel Ricciardo? Treaders, there's there's talk that there could be a bit of a fairy tale comeback on the cards. Yeah, well, he's got a chance to do some um, as the third driver at Red Bull to do some test driving over the next few weeks, and effectively, that's a yeah you know, they're putting a stopwatch on him. So that would be the chance to say, hey, has he still got it? How does that compare in some of the testing compared to the other big guys? Because you know, as they say, his confidence was the issue when he got the sack from McLaren. What it looks at McLaren, we go, well, how reliable was their vehicle anyway? Not great. But it appears that, you know, he's 
testing over the next couple of months could be whether he actually stays as a third driver or he actually gets an opportunity. And then there's a bit of talk around too that there could be a spot with sister team Alpine. So, um, oh, sorry, Alpha Tori um, Alpine is another team that's um, that had some some changes in, but uh, it could pave the way for Red Bull to start next year um, because you look at some of the the performances, bar the best uh, Verstappen. Um, other drivers around have certainly been inconsistent at best, even the great Lewis Hamilton. So, you know, people are going to be looking for opportunities. As we know, this time of year, this the midway mark of the F1 season, the seats, people start speculating on what seats are available. And this time last year, Ricardo's seat wasn't available because he was contracted for another 18 or 20 million euros to drive again. So, you know, I think if he can put some pressure on from the outside, there, there might be some some teams with inexperienced drivers going, oh, we could do with an experienced guy. We know this guy's won in the past before. So uh, there's a lot to give on this one. It all depends on how he goes on the stopwatch. Absolutely. Now, what about the NBA draft? Always a, a massive event. How'd you see that one? Well, it's no surprises to start off because Victor, as it went, Bamia, I can even, here, I'll say that again. Victor, when Ben Yama um, was the dominant uh, number one, the Hornets picked at Brandon Miller, um, Trailblazers, Scoot Henderson. How's the names, Scoot? What were you thinking <laughs> when you just sit there and go, I want to call him, yeah, let's call him Scoot. But this is what was, um, and there's also an Armin Thompson. These two guys went pick four and pick five. Well, I cannot remember the situation where brothers actually picked up in the same NBA draft. There's not many yeah. brothers who are actually in the comp, let alone in the same NBA draft. Yeah, so the Rockets uh, chose Armin with four and the Pistons are taking Osar with five. So twins, first brothers pair to be drafted in the top five in the same draft since the NBA-ABA merger in 76. There you go. Wow. That answers the question. 1976. But then it doesn't stop there because all of a sudden you're sitting there going with the draft and we know that's intertwined and this is what they, they love, I love about what they do at the NBA. Remember the great deal with Kobe Bryant was going to be picked up, instantly traded. They intertwined the trade period also with the draft period and Chris Paul's landed at Golden State in the trade that sent uh, guard Jordan Poole to the Washington Wizards. Yeah, and the Warriors are now currently predicted to pay $48.5 million in luxury tax next year. So... And by moving Jordan's remaining $128 million over the next four years helps them avoid more luxury tax. So here we are talking about West Coast in their win one, one sentence about whether they're trying to avoid the luxury tax with what about $7 million bucks pay out if they choose to move on Adam Simpson. Here they are. They're just trying to reduce it by moving $128 million in playing talent. And he's the star, Paul. But you know, the reality is um, the Golden State Warriors, as of last year, spent the most and spend the most luxury tax, and they fell short, so they need to make yep. change. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like talking about these things, you take West Coast problems, and then it's on a completely different scale in the NBA. Like, the numbers are crazy, and even the you know the bets they place on players, like Chicago's Lonzo Ball, yet to, yet to pay off that investment. He's had knee problems. He, he signed a massive four-year, $120 million deal. He's, he's going to sit out for his second full season. So, yeah, and it's cartilage replacement. I, I was reading on the surgery. So it's a yeah. cartilage-related trying to get it. Well, hang on. I'm not sure how that's worked well in the past, but if you got it and you, you're on the hook for $120 million. And the other one, too, is Daniel Lillard, who's 
the superstars in serious talks about joining the Heat. Well, we saw the Heat lost the finals. Um, and all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, well, if they can get him in, they're a genuine contender yet again, season upon season. Yep. Now, uh, the other the other thing that uh, caught my eye. Of course it did. You love this stuff. <laughs> I love this stuff. LeBron's mansion. Now, we, we love like just looking at some of the flashy stuff. So good news for LeBron. Very happy for him. He's able to start building his dream home in Beverly Hills. So it's he's, it's been caught up. He bought it a couple of years ago. And uh, meanwhile, this is like a beautiful historic mansion. Audrey Hepburn had lived in it. Some legends of Hollywood had, had owned it and lived it. LeBron says, nah, I'm going to knock this thing over, <laughs> demolish it. LeBron's probably planning to build some tacky, who knows what. Anyway, look, I'm sure he's got lovely taste, but I get a bit sad because there's so much history and, you know, the wonderful Audrey Hepburn has lived there. LeBron's knocked it over. Anyway, it's been caught up in legal issues for two years, all the approvals, all that sort of stuff. So construction's uh, just started. It's uh, almost $40 million US property. Uh, What do you reckon he's going to do with it? I think it'll have everything you could possibly think about it. I remember following it on Instagram for a while, and then I got bored about how good his life is, so I unfollowed him. But um, his place, I don't know where it was. It must have been his old place when he first moved to LA. Um, and it was yeah, it was phenomenal. Kept walking out the front. He kept popping champagne, and he kept eating steaks, and there was a pool and grass. I'd just be happy with that pool and grass bit. Don't worry about the rest of the house. But LeBron, as we know, doesn't do anything by halves. But what it does probably put paid to and people will say no because he's still flying fly out, but wouldn't that suggest that he's going to stay at LA for a period of time now? Yeah, or he's, or you know, this could be his his little retirement plan, his summer home place. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. let's be honest, you were the equivalent, you know, when you're at West on West Lakes, you know, like yeah, right. You know, I was at Henley LA, Beach then many years ago. Oh, Henley Beach, that's yeah. right. But you are mm-hmm. the, the king of West Lakes, so um, <laughs> yeah, renting in a seventies place. <laughs> when the wind uh, blows the windows rattle oh it's all good mate it's all good uh, yeah. now what about the round ball mate I know you you know you love your um, international football uh, what's been happening well uh, no ends no worries Celtic look to boost their Australian contingent by signing a soccerer's attacker Marco Tilio from um, Melbourne City so that keeps moving on um Brendan Rogers taken over as manager who said, oh, I'm not sure I'd go back there, but it's gone back there. Some of the fans are annoyed about him because he left pretty quickly last time, but he says it's in his heart, in his blood, so that all should be right. Um, that 21-year-old w- uh, winger, Mark Attilo, um, is yeah, he's going to join some soccerers' teammates, let's be honest. Aaron Moy still playing there. Assistant coach Harry Kuehl still there. Um, and as we said, the, the return of manager, Brendan Rogers to take over the departed Postacoglu, who's in charge of Tottenham. Haven't heard too much from Ange at Tottenham. It's generally pretty quiet. And on the transfer front, all the questions about who's going out, not coming in. I know Sun, their, um, their uh, Korean striker, was a chance to head to the Saudis. He said, no, I've got uh, unfinished business. So that'll certainly keep Ange happy at Tottenham. But the biggest story going around at the moment from Sky Germany, um, City have lodged an eye-watering 146 million bids for RB Leipzig defender Josko Vardilio. I think that's how you say his last Vardio. name. Well, Vardio. What does he say? Vardio. 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 Oh, so, yeah, you've... You did the uh, training overnight, didn't you? Um, world record bid, one of the best defenders in the world. And this is where things have gone 
crazy. Like, I'm not trying to play down defenders' roles. They're very, very important. But if they're going to go for 146 million bucks, what's Harry Kane going to get um, if he decides yeah. to move? Um, yeah, you know, Mbappe, yeah, you know, Neymar. No wonder Messi's making a fortune because the money in this is yeah. This, this I still I'm an Arsenal fan. I remember when Thierry Henry left to go to Barcelona, and it was something like 18 million pounds. Uh, that's not enough. But since then, the TV uh, rights are tenfold. So that's probably makes it what it'd be worth today. But yeah, it, with every good story too, there's a horror story. Nicholas Jackson was on the verge of um, signing for Premier League Battlers Bournemouth on a permanent deal, only for the transfer to collapse uh, when he failed his medical. Um, that was in the January transfer window. But you fast forward six months and the uh, Villarreal forward has now completed his medical ahead of a $57 million deal to Chelsea. So... It is amazing, isn't it, how it can quickly turn. Um, and, you know, even the transfer guru, Fabrizio Romano, has reported that Jackson's contract with Chelsea is for eight years. That's a staggering length, particularly um, in modern modern soccer terms. Fours and fives are normal, but eight, they must have backed the truck up. If you look at what Chelsea are doing too, they're clearing decks. They've got issues with financial fair play. This is the other thing we might look at in the next couple of weeks is that you look at how many Saudi players, oh, Saudi, uh, sorry, Chelsea players who've left to go to Saudi leagues on ridiculous transfers above their market rate. So people are starting to question whether is there a deal between Chelsea and the Saudis to move on certain players, you know, because all of a sudden that might get rid of Chelsea's wage bill, um, create space to spend again, and it gets them out of financial fair play issues. Yep, very interesting. There's, uh, yeah, eight years though, man. That's that's crazy for 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 Chelsea. I mean, just very rare. You think about the if something goes wrong there, and what you what you've got to pay out, and just the risk that you got to carry. It feels a bit insane. But good luck to the big fella. Now, Ryan Reynolds, mate, is uh, we we followed his story. You know, the the Hollywood touch with with Wrexham. Now he's turning his attention to Formula One. Yeah, and this is the interesting one, isn't it? Because they've clearly watched on and seen what he's done with Wrexham, obviously getting promoted in English lower divisions. Um, now he's taking on the F1s. So he and his mate, Ryan and Rob, the two investors, have um, decided to jump in to Alpine as major investors, taking a 24% equity stake in the outfit. So Alpine's not your, your middle of the range to to maybe just lower range uh, team in the F1s. But you know, if you look at what they've been able to do, Alpine's parent company, Renault, announced on Monday that Reynolds... Is your, what's your mate's name? Mich- Michelani? Is that how you're saying? Something like that. That'll do. Yeah. Um, and it's Michael always sunny Philadelphia. Great show. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan were joining the... Otro Capital and Redbird Capital Partners as an investment deal worth 200 million euros. In Aussie dollars, that's 325 million. Yeah, you know, the Deadpool star and his wife, Blake Lively's net worth now 690 million. Reynolds earned himself a nice pay packet. Early in the year, when Mint Mobile, the prepaid wireless provider he partially owned, was bought by T Mobile US for normally two, $2 billion. Yeah. That's what I mean. He's, he's got a bit of cash to spend, and this has nothing to do with what he's getting paid through all these massive um, acting gigs. Yeah, like he's, he's, he's done the Shaquille O'Neal of the acting world, hasn't he? He's pretty much built himself a business outside, and now when you're 
you're a part owner in the F1s, that should sort of generally shore up um, future investment where the money spins around. And there's no bigger sport. Well, you could say soccer and, and football worldwide, but in terms of just sheer cash and ridiculousness, yep. nothing comes close to F1s. And he would, and and F ones would be wrapped. He's getting involved. Yeah, the F ones is on a on a massive growth curve anyway. Just particularly with what's happening in the US, like it's really blowing up in the states. And they've seen that you know, Brian and Rob, the two Hollywood superstars, come in and yeah, they bring some capital, but they bring this huge brand power and influence. You know, they'll they'll bring the capacity to to bring the high profile documentary and. The movies and the and the media coverage, all of this stuff just increases the whole value of the um, of the organisation. It attracts more sponsors. So, as a strategic play, it's a it's a massive coup. Yeah, it is. It's huge, and, and that's what I like about it because it wasn't so long ago that I, I remember saying F one's going to America, and oh no, it's not going to work. And then you go, oh well, what does it look like? Oh, the crowds are sort of thin. Fast forward to the F one documentaries on uh, Netflix, and the coverage of Miami, every person, David Beckham, Serena Williams, Venus Williams, you know, Neymar flies in for it, you know, Mbappe flies in for it, presidents, vice presidents, like everyone, Hollywood actors, Angeline Jolie, Brad Pitt, it, it, it is absolutely chock-a-block. Um, throw in next year, um, a bloke called Messi probably going to be going there representing uh, into Miami, so... Now, all of a sudden, the yeah, what was always NASCARs, and they're still very strong, the NASCARs over there, but all of a sudden, F1's starting to get an imprint, whereas the one place in the world that always struggled to uh, over history. All right, well, that concludes our wrap. Plenty of interesting stuff going on, as always. Uh, thank you for listening, and as always, subscribe to www.thebigdeal.au to make sure that you get the summary notes from this chat where we put all the numbers in and make sure that you can follow the stuff that we've been waffling on about so thanks again and you'll hear from us again uh, with an interview a bit later this week thanks for tuning in to this episode of the big deal before you go don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more join me at www.thebigdeal.au